This is a long uh, one. So strap in. All right. I'm strapped. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I thought you were going to end it with I'm you said, strapped in. No, strapped. Oh, she's strapped. Mm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten. And we are Mediocre Mediocre Content. Content. Oh, my God. (laughs) You glitched. It was so delayed. I was like, and we started off on the best foot. (laughs) No, I did that on purpose. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's about how the week has been. (laughs) I totally did that on purpose. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I did. It's true. Everything going good. We're in another week of September. Everything going good. Yes. I decorated for Halloween. You cannot tell me it's not Halloween already. (laughs) I have declared that it is so, and it will be. I mean, we're halfway through September, so I feel like it's fine. You know? We We got Salem a cute little skeleton Halloween costume. So cute. And he loves it. Is that sarcasm or for real? No, he actually does. He like okay. walked around the house and everything cool. with it. So Very it was good. It's like a little hoodie. And then uh, he doesn't like the hood part, but he likes the like other, the shirt part. Uh, I'm very upset with you then because I got zero pictures. Oh, well, we can fix that. <laughs> I'll send you some. I'll Please send you do. like a thousand. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, just blow up my phone. <laughs> I, I yeah, took about a thousand. So you'll get about a thousand. I'm so okay. excited to see this cat. <laughs> Wait, so you said it was Jinx or Salem? It was Salem. So Jinx doesn't wear the costumes? Jinx, he did. We tried the sweater on both of them. Oh, Um, okay, okay. And he did wear it. And, you know, it was not his, like, favorite thing. Oh, okay. But um, I, I got him a cow costume last year, which I feel like is the most appropriate costume for him. So he might be a cow again this year that's fair Mm -hmm. that's adorable because salem i think it would be appropriate salem likes to go out and greet the trick-or-treaters when they come Ah. and so i feel like he needs the sweater more than jinx does yes yeah no that makes sense oh my gosh that's so stinking cute i know he's like my permanent halloween decoration (laughs) (laughs) he is the void (laughs) he is oh my goodness sweet little babies Mm -hmm. um so I hate to rush in, but this is going to be an extremely long episode. So long, in fact, that we have cut the good news segment. <laughs> Indeed. Because I did not realize how massive. Well, that's a lie. I, I know how big in general this topic is, but I didn't realize how much information I was going to have to provide. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. That's okay. We'll come back to the good news next week. Yeah. And it'll be good. So I apologize to anybody who really thrives on the good news. I'm sorry we don't have any. I mean, the good news is we're still here. So, I mean. (laughs) Yeah. The good news is we are recording the 44th episode (laughs) of this podcast for you. That's right. Which is also hard to believe. Um, Uh, I know. We're headed to 50 so fast. (laughs) So good. It will. Uh, okay, so I say we just claim and let's crack into this thing. 
Aye, aye, Captain. All right. So <clears throat> before we get started, we are not experts on anything. If you have come to this podcast to get any kind of advice, we are not the place to get that, as you know. Um, but we are the place to learn about things that you may not have come across in your day-to-day life. So um, we encourage you to do your own research along with us and give us any feedback that you might have. Perfect. And, and with that, we're going to jump into the main topic and not the good news. <laughs> just just weird and backwards. Uh, I'll also say that like previous to this episode, we've been running the solar series every other week, which has been great. And that did come to a close with the sunshine episode. It did. But uh, I decided to keep us in space, um, and we might even do the opposite of this episode um, at some point, but that is also a big franchise. So today we're talking about Star Trek, uh, the opposite of which I think is Star Wars. So um, at some point we're going to have to tackle that. Um, I don't really... I. I'm going to say I am a Star Wars girly. I am not oh. a Star Trek person at okay. all. I've never really, like, I know of Star Trek, and I, I've i never seen any of the movies or the show or anything like that. Yeah. So you will be educating me today because I yeah. am not quite. That Honestly, I'm not, like, I don't know a whole lot about it. Mine just stems from, the mo- like, the earlier movies with, like, Chris Pine in them. And then mm, also... Okay. When I was a kid, Papa was very into the show. I don't know specifically uh, like which one he was watching, like what series it was necessarily. Sure. He could probably speak on it better than I, but he's not here at the moment, so I can't ask. Um, but it was kind of more part of my childhood. He watched a little bit of Star Wars, but it was a lot of Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. So I think <clears throat> if I if I know anything. Yeah, Star yeah. like Star Wars and Star Trek are both like intergenerational franchises, right? Yes. So then I think but I think Star Trek obviously was before Star Wars in a lot like the show I believe sure. started like in like way earlier or maybe around the same time. I don't really know. I mean, but what yeah. I'm saying is is yeah. that I think your papa's generation right is probably more into star trek whereas like my parents generation is probably star wars because all those movies came out like the first three star wars came out when they were you know you're right middle school teenage kind of vibe so and then like the different movies uh they had different breaks in between each franchise too like there were different lulls of content as well and we'll see that even in today's stuff uh, when we talk yep. about the Star Trek pieces. So I think Star Wars was pretty similar as well. And a lot of the reboots and spinoffs and things came later too. So like that impacted even different, like my generation. And, you yes, know, we'll absolutely. see, we'll see there's even stuff that's still kind of coming out almost. So it, yeah. it spans a long time for both, which explains why they're so big. <laughs> yes, I you would know? agree. <laughs> so it makes sense. Uh, so technically speaking, um, the journey for Star Trek, uh, does begin actually in 1964. So it is pretty far back in terms of, uh, the starting line. The start of the space journey came from a simple pitch by the name of Gene, or the guy's name is Gene Roddenberry. And he was originally an Air Force pilot in World War II, He then transitioned to be a civilian pilot and then a policeman in Los Angeles before deciding to pursue another passion that he had, 
unrelated to either of those jobs um television which seems like a (laughs) one-off i mean you don't see very many career paths take that route right it's very unique um it was at this time he had decided to pitch the idea for the series that he was calling star trek to Desilu, Desilu, I guess, studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was with the draft for the show being quite different than pretty much anything else that was on the big screen at the time. For example, the lead ship was named SS Yorktown and was commanded by Captain Robert M. April and the descendant of Spock, another character on the show. The only character who would eventually become a series regular is described as being half Martian. And all of this obviously was taking place in space kind of unique yeah (laughs) so would it be fair to say that this show was the first one to dare put real people in space as like a casual this is where we live type thing I would say so. Um, And even technologically, which we'll talk about, was also very um, ahead of its I'll put this in quotations ahead of its time technologically. (laughs) Okay, got it. Yeah, it was a lot of firsts as an entrance show. Um, He put particular emphasis on the concept of parallel worlds and, of course, planets that are similar to Earth that can be filmed, taking advantage of existing sets and locations, apparently rather than an economic uh, concession than part of his vision. So I don't really know how that way it just basically it's very unique in how it was set up yeah the draft also includes the infamous nonsensical version of the drake equation that roddenberry fabricates to demonstrate how many alien civilizations are only waiting to be part of a tv drama which i thought was funny (laughs) that is funny and some of the script outlines uh in the document will later be made into star trek episodes mostly with different titles just like script provisionally titled Mr. Socrates that became the TOS Bread and Circuses, which we'll talk about what TOS stands for. It's like its own little pocket. It's almost like each section of this became its own I don't even know what you would call it. They they became their own franchise within a franchise. Like there are there's essentially people who only subscribe to certain eras of the show as canon and things like that oh i see okay so it's very divisive in the way that they watch it i guess yes exactly interesting they only associate with certain time frames of the show i see okay um, so between 1964 and 1965, this is called the Cage Era. Uh, the studio accepted Roddenberry's proposal and sets in the model of the USS Enterprise, which is what the ship was actually named at the time, uh, NCC-1701, are built with a pilot movie titled The Cage being sh- shot and sold to one of the major networks. Uh, Jeffrey Hunter plays Captain Christopher Pike of the Enterprise, a convincingly strong yet little charismatic lead character who is subjected to illusions induced by the vastly advanced Telosians. And I'm so sorry to all the Star Trek fans. I will be butchering all of the names that I don't know I think, already. I think that was right. That seems <laughs> right. So? Yeah. Telosians. Yeah. 
Um, and aside from the already legendary reproach of being too cerebral, there are two more things that the officials of NBC purportedly do not like about this pilot. Uh, number one, the female first officer and the alien officer, namely Mr. Spock. Um, so they didn't like those characters. It is the Stupid. 19. I, well, it's the 1960s, and what they said was. They can neither put up with a woman in charge in a military rank structure, nor with Spock's, quote, satanic look. That is what they said. We can't have a woman in charge and we can't have a Martian. <laughs> no Martians. No Martians. <laughs> no women and no Martians. Can't do either of those. They're too advanced. <laughs> at the time meanwhile they have clint eastwood in the middle I of the know. desert shooting at native americans Correct. which is totally not pc anymore like it's oh my god totally fine right <laughs> um but they gave the blessing for the second pilot nonetheless for the t- first time in tv history um what <laughs> This is great, though. So Roddenberry was like, well, that's silly because I cast this very specifically. You know, that's that was yeah. his pilot. Yeah. Um, and decides to dispose of, quote, number one, which was just the female officer. Um, but what they didn't know uh, was that that female officer was actually played by his future wife, Majel Barrett. Um, so they mm. kept they decided to just dispose of, quote, number one. Uh, keep Spock but what he did was later credited and cast his future wife Majel for the cage and instead concealed her uh, as a nurse in the chapel so he ended up keeping her in I can't the believe show. she married him rude <laughs> so they just camouflaged come on her girl so that they wouldn't know that she was still in the movie despite the fact that you know nbc was like we can't have a female lead they were like right. fine but she'll still be in there we just won't tell you yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just weird times it was the 60s yeah. yeah yeah uh so we move officially to 1965 uh which is titled where no man has gone before and this one i think is the most famous correct of <laughs> Of the just based on the actors' names that I see here, this is yes. what I associate when I see Star Trek. Anyway, good, go yeah. Well, it should because this was like what I think most of the fans consider like the official era for the most part. Okay, cool. Um, so William Shatner at the time was Captain Kirk, so he replaced Captain Pike. Uh, while Leonard, for those who don't know, sorry to interrupt, no, you're you. fine, you're fine. Um, for those who don't know who William Shatner is, he did a bunch of those um, travel, travel, what is it? Travelocity commercials? Yes. Or what is it? I think is so. Is that the brand? Or is it remember. true? Um, no, Hotels.com. Hotels.com. Hotels. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he did some of those commercials. You'll recognize him from TV, just not from like a show that you know, just from those commercials. Anyway, Correct. <laughs> That's the only way I recognize them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and Leonard Nimoy reprises his role of Spock for the second pilot episode, which was titled Where No Man Has Gone Before. And that's kind of what made it very famous. Um, here, the crew of the Enterprise have to struggle against fellow crew members who have gained godlike powers. And this was a more action-loaded installment of the show, Um 
Still, not everyone seemed to believe the time is right to have regular alien characters on a TV show, namely Spock and the associated aliens that were doing all of this to the crew. Sure. Uh, and for er- because of this, for early leaflets, Spock's ears, which were originally pointed um, to make mm-hmm. him look more Martian-like, mm-hmm. and his eyebrows are retouched to rehumanize him. <laughs> Well, they took the effect completely away. <laughs> sure. That, that totally keeps the story alive. Uh, among several more points, Gene Roddenberry emphasizes one groundbreaking quality about Star Trek already in his first draft. Uh, the first such concept was strong central lead characters plus other continuing regular characters. So it's not like it was... Um, you know how like a show will introduce someone and then you never see them again or associated ever in the timeline ever again? Sure. Unlike that, even if they aired for like maybe an episode, you would still see them in the space-time continuum to a point when they would be introducing other elements of the show. You'd be like, oh my gosh, that's the person they spoke to in episode whatever. They're no longer a main highlight in okay. this episode, but you still recognize and they're still associated with the show. Yeah. And you have the continuation of Spock and the captain reoccurring every episode. So instead of it just being like one guest star spot, it's like reoccurring guest stars. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And this was apparently very new. Um, Captain Kirk, the determined lead with fine social skills, the latter not only relating to women. I don't really know what they meant by that. Um, (laughs) It's kind of a weird sentence will become possibly the most famous character of television series ever, yet Spock's role, always sincere and, of course, logical as an officer, will appear to many fans as the most intriguing, especially since he's torn between his human side and his Vulcan heritage, which, if you're not a fan of the show, basically his mom was human, but his dad was Vulcan. And Mm -hmm. even in the movie, which I have seen with Chris Pine, Spock still struggles with that and... um there's a big divide between his dad and his mom in their relationship, but he does spoiler alert, come to some kind of resolution with him near the end, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And they come to an understanding, but it's like that struggle um, between the duality of where you're, where you're from and where your parents are from, which I think a lot of people can relate to in some degrees. Definitely. Um, But the two cannot yet be called complete. As the second pilot with Dr. McCoy contributing to conscious and compassion to the mix was still missing. So this was just something they were going to continue to build on as the show continued. From the pilots. So that was just the introduction, (laughs) which is ridiculous. Yeah. That's just getting your foot in the water, honestly. And those are just the first two episodes. That's it. Yeah. We don't even have a series. We have nothing off the ground, really, that's been deployed out for regular viewing. This was just an intro. (laughs) It's just still really in depth. The official start of what they consider the original series was aired on September 8th, 1966, The series itself would span from 1966 to 1969, and the actual first episode that aired on NBC was considered the fifth filmed episode and was titled The Man Trap. So it wasn't even like the first one ever. It was number five in the lineup. 
Interesting choice. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the troika of lead characters is complete. You had Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, who was played by DeForest Kelly. I don't think we mentioned that previously, but that's and who Kirk the actor and Spock was. are William Shatner and right. Leonard Nimoy. Correct. Right? Yes. Yep. 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 Um, their interaction is decisive in paving Star Trek's way to lasting success, and it is safe to say that aside from its visionary concept and witty storylines, Star Trek, like every other TV drama, which is what they considered it, boils down yeah. to how its characters are written and played, of course. Among the other characters, Ahura, uh, who was played at the time by Nichelle Nichols, and I loved her in the movie with Chris Pine. She was amazing. Um mm. Uh, she was a black woman as a starship officer, epitomizes Roddenberry's vision of a diverse crew more than even Spock, because Spock was considered just a Martian, but now we're actually right. introducing real divert like human diversity into the show. Yeah. Um, although at the and time in 1966, her- this is a big deal. Revolutionary, truly. Yeah. Uh, but although her role was kept relatively small, they did still introduce her. And again, as a starship officer, you're re-putting in a female into a considered military leadership role to a point as well, mm-hmm. which is also mm-hmm. huge since they denied it originally. <laughs> exactly. Um, Sulu, uh, Shekhov, and Scotty would also inspire um, diversity as well because they were all from different areas of the world. And um, mm-hmm. they were inspiring generations of engineers and like, because that's what that's the role that they play. They would engineer the ship and fix issues and things like that on the ship. Um, right. So now you're introducing cultures, um, different cultures into it as well. The common phrase, beam me up, Scotty, yes. would be the Huge. appropriate phrase for this particular uh, Scotty. <laughs> I think you nailed it. <laughs> Literally nailed it. Yeah. Um, and to your point as well, The other piece that we talked about in the very beginning is the technological advancements. But again, I'm going to put that in quotations. Basically, what this series did was introduce props and ideas of what are computers, electronic libraries, how you would save material, collect data, communicate. All of these things had to be completely fabricated because they didn't currently exist in the real world to the degree that we know them today (laughs) like right this is huge and of course with the advent of the internet more than 25 years after you can see some of these things take shape at that time 25 years after that were portrayed in prop form on star trek so the generational gap in terms of technology is huge but this was also revolutionary for a show to introduce this kind of futuristic again quotations futuristic look Right. In, a, in a modern show for the time. It's crazy. Right. It was like the Jetsons came to yes. life, basically. It, it Precisely. Yes, exactly. Uh, so just kind of wanted to put that in there. It's really amazing to, to think about the kind of props they had to come up with and like the minds that came together to put that idea together. Uh, so after that, uh, 1968 to 1977 is called Syndication Success. Um, during its three original seasons, Star Trek is not blessed with high ratings. It was not well received, ironically. 
Um, and it was actually on the verge of being canceled when a letter writing campaign led by Trek's most famous fan, Joe Trimble, convinced the network to grant it a third season. So it was wow. literally, it's literally a fan who was like, no, 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 please. <laughs> um, That's happened in real life before. Yes. Um, <laughs> because Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the sitcom with Andy Samberg, um, was going to get canceled, but then I think Seth Meyers and mm-hmm. John Mulaney, I think, organized a stink on Twitter yeah. and they renewed it for like another season or it got picked up by another network or something like that. Which is just great, honestly. I agree. the fans. <laughs> uh but with Star Trek now being shown in the death slot late on Friday, which is a death slot is just like nobody's what they know nobody is staying up and watching right. that or taking the time. Yeah. So it's just kind of airing when nobody's around. Um, it doesn't survive this final season, unfortunately. It is not before the syndication that the show becomes a nationwide and eventually worldwide success and with an unprecedented lasting effect. In the 1970s, it seems that Star Trek is winning the more popularity, the more time it has passed since its cancellation, and fan conventions become a huge success. Essentially, nostalgia is taking over because it's, it's no longer so there. Funny, <laughs> yeah, because we see that with like The mm-hmm. Office now, reboots and things, and reboots, and yeah. you know, streaming has changed all that. Yeah. Gilmore Girls, like the whole, mean girls. all of those shows. <laughs> It's just yeah, <laughs> they came out so long ago. Yeah, which makes me feel old. But like, you know, they came <laughs> out so long ago, and now everyone is like loving yeah, it. Exactly, and that's essentially what happened. Um, the enthusiasm culminates in another fan letter campaign urging uh, NASA even to call its space shuttle prototype Enterprise because they're so upset. <laughs> Wow. Um, a, a Star a Star Trek sequel becomes due, but it takes time for the TV stations and for Roddenberry himself to notice that it bears potential because it'd been canceled for quite a while at that point. It didn't even yeah. make it to a final season. So, you know. Um, so what they decided to do, 1973 to 1974, it got an animated series, which had a lot of controversy of course because Mm -hmm. people were expecting the nostalgia of the pre the original series sure yeah um which i i apologize i never told you that tos stands for the original series so oh got it okay sorry about that tos better the original yeah 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 um and i'll say that because there's more acronyms to come so i apologize for that too um Prior to returning with a live action format, they decided to go into the animated series, which is then abbreviated TAS. <laughs> Got it. And they featured the voices of the original cast. So even though it wasn't in real life and it was all animation, the voice actors were still the same people from what I understand. That's really cool. Yeah. Because that was smart. Now you would like assume that they would use that for, they would use ai or something like that to like recreate their voices yeah but this is real people but this yeah you can't do that in 1973 you cannot um many tas episodes are admittedly mediocre which is perfect for us (laughs) indeed (laughs) we get that um we do (laughs) the course of the stories are often bumpy and they rely too much on tricks uh to bring about a resolution 
Overall, though, it did pay tribute to the idea of Star Trek, and it continued for um, seamlessly for a five-year mission of TOS, or rather extends to five full years. Um, some of the episodes are sequels to events in TOS. The episode TAS, The Counterclock Incident, even includes Captain Robert April from Roddenberry's original draft of Star Trek, which is cool, so they brought back the OG draft guy. Nice. Um, However, the arguably best installment by far in this animated series was called Yesteryear, which is a telling of the story of young Spock in a remarkably mature fashion. Oh, yeah. that's nice. Um, and TAS was not officially acknowledged as part of the Trek's uh, canon for a really long time. Yesteryear, though, purportedly exempted this from the ban of it not being canon. So again, we're starting to get okay. into like, well, you bringing in all these new series, this isn't this isn't part of tos right you know? but it's see based on what you just said though right. it sounds like the fans like, like that the spock has a back to, <laughs> a backstory right. yeah and you'll see this divides tarts take shape really aggressively <laughs> uh 1977 to 1978 is titled phase two which i think is interesting um because technically i'd say it's kind of phase three but that's fine sure. um after a couple of fruitless efforts to bring Star Trek to the big screen, um, Gene Roddenberry has to be talking about a future a feature film as early as 1968 at the time. Paramount approaches the Star Trek creator to revive the TV series in 1977, and Roddenberry tries to gather as many of the former staff as possible for what he informally dubbed Star Trek Phase Two, which is where it comes from. Most of the actors would be able and willing to reprise their roles, except for Leonard Nimoy as Spock, which is huge Sag. Um, new characters would be Commander Decker, Lieutenant Ilya, and the Vulcan Zahn. I'm assuming X-O-N is going to be Zahn. Uh, yeah. The latter obviously meant to replace Spock because he didn't want to come back. Oh, yeah. so sad. It is sad. Um, several screenplays are available and pre-production of sets and models is done when the officials come to the decision to ditch phase two in favor of a big budget movie. So, um, wow, <laughs> which is credited to be the success story of Star Wars, <laughs> which is probably why the fans are wow. so divided. <laughs> That's tea right there. Yeah, That's movie tea. <laughs> that is piping hot tea. <laughs> Um, but the pilot episode of the would-be TV series, In Thy Image, is what it was going to be called, is made into the first Trek feature film, Star Trek The Motion Picture, with Nimoy's participation, ironically. So he did oh, come back, inevitably. So that's good. He got a movie with, he did. with the original Spock. Yes. That's good. Okay. But it almost was completely flounced in general <laughs> because of Star mm. Wars. <laughs> wow. Um, 1979 to 1991, the TOS movie era, so ridiculed by some critics as a slow motion picture, the intelligently written movie, The Motion Picture, 1979, which is what we just talked about, becomes a smashing success in theaters. Huge. Because again, we're talking about competition in the water as Star Wars, which was also a different space-themed franchise that was coming. Correct. The second Trek film, Star Trek The Wrath of Khan in 1982, is made without direct involvement from Gene Roddenberry, and it is obviously governed by the premise of appealing to a broader audience, and it includes more action to the end. So you're trying to draw in the audience a bit more. They're trying to copy Star Wars. I would say so. 
because that's what yeah. was, that was was budding in terms of interest. Right. No, exactly. And those three original Star Wars movies came out in the 80s at around that time. So you've got a lot of direct competition. Yeah. But building upon the story of Khan, uh, Noonienth Singh from TOS Space Speed the Movie is definitely a tidbit for diehard Star Trek fans more than ever. Although Star Trek The Search of Spock 1984 and Star Trek The Voyage Home 1986 fall a bit short of the intensity of the duel between Kirk and Khan, the movie trilogy is still a fan favorite today. And on the big screen, the vastness of space becomes a stage for bigger emotions. However, until 2010, no Star Trek movie ever wins an Academy Award, not even in the purely technological categories, which is such a shame because it really was revolutionary for its time. Yeah. Um, And with that, we're going to take a little bit of a a break. I can't even talk. My my brain is baked because that's a lot of information. (laughs) Uh, And... In the second half, we're going to explore the next generation. Every week, you listen to the MCP host droll on and on about, quote, interesting topics. And yes, I did just use air quotes for that. We are positive your listeners would come up with better topics than them. And so we are enlisting you to send them over so we can talk more about exciting things in the future episodes. We highly encourage you to do yourself and other listeners a favor and start sending good topic ideas over to MediocreContentPodcast at gmail.com. We even give you permission to slide into their DMs over on Instagram at MediocreContentPodcast and Twitter at MediocreSquawks. If you don't decide to send topics over, prepare yourself for continued intense mediocrity. Though honestly, it will probably be mediocre either way. Thanks for trying, and good luck in the second half of this interesting podcast, air quotes still included. Welcome back. We're still in space, but that's okay. Um, Yes. (laughs) So we're going to continue the deep dive, because like I said, it's intense, and we still have quite a few pieces to go. So let's just run into the next generation, which was between 1987 and 1994. So we're now getting into the 90s, which is fantastic. We've made it from the 60s. I know about that. Yeah, <laughs> I've been too. there. Yeah, I've been there. Time or two. <laughs> um, so this was considered political correctness, but in a positive sense, uh, uh because it was prevailing uh, as a theme in the seven years of Star Trek, which is why gene uh was such a big proponent of diversity and inclusion and really just making sure his cast was full of different concepts and ideas because even outside of it being a martian space alien kind of land it was also human diversity that we were trying to focus on and really bring that to the table in a time where it was not really seen or supported which is such but that's fine um this continued in the next generation which is tagged tng for obvious reasons none of these are complicated acronyms at all (laughs) um it is reflected in rather small details like the change of the title monologue such as where no one has gone before so like we talked about the original was no man has gone before that was adjusted to say one instead of man nice and getting rid of the latent sexism that may lie in the word man of the time in addition to something called a scant which was a skirt plus a pant 
which was a unisex garment worn occasionally by low-ranking male crew members in the first season. So, again, you're taking men and putting them in a position where they're essentially wearing a skirt with pants. With pants? With pants. A scant, I like if you that. Will. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, or in the carpeted floor on Enterprise D, even in engineering, which makes it look like a luxury cruiser and not at all like a warship. Also, there are now families on the Enterprise, which is great. <laughs> so Cute. it's getting more and more diverse. Um, strange life forms in TNG are regarded in the first place as a fascinating opportunity to expand knowledge rather than considering them as a potential threat. So, you know, when people are like, oh, the aliens are to come, we're going to have to fight them. In this case, it was, oh, we're expanding what we know and we can collaborate together and have all of these beautiful ideas, you know? What a lovely plot. I would say. Um, but they were also dealing with a lot during that time when they were creating the show and so some of the themes that were happening in real life kind of manifested themselves into the show as well so as as, as they do, happens, as they do art, right you know right um so for example the federation's fragile relations with the klingons during tos the original are quite obviously molded on the ongoing Cold War between the USA and the Soviet Union. I don't know a whole lot about the relations itself, but it sounds like there was less real fighting and more like tensions than anything mm, okay. between the two areas. So that's just, to your point, art, and it's just kind of how it happens. Yeah. However, tragically, October 24, 1991, Gene Roddenberry passes away at the age of 70. Um, having retreated from work some time, he passed away from a terminal illness, but he was kind of retreating away at the time anyway. He did transition to his successor, Rick Berman, as the executive producer of TNG, and it was very smooth between the two. Um, TNG garners no less than 15 Emmy Awards, which is huge considering the original series had zero. And yeah. Is nominated for 55 in general. So to get 15 wow. out of 55 is pretty dang good. Uh, more than 10 million viewers tune in during TNG's fourth and fifth seasons, making it the highest rated syndicate TV syndicated TV series. And this allows TNG to enter the mainstream of TV entertainment, whereas its sequels, now in competition with other sci-fi formats, reside in what is considered a geeky niche once again. So it mm. rose to prominence, became really popular, and then sci-fi became its own genre with its own formats, and it kind of receded back into that kind of uniqueness in terms of yes. reference <laughs> which i would say is kind of the same for star wars if i were going to reach that far i would say that's similar yeah yeah definitely 1993 to 1999 is considered de deep space nine Two series are simultaneously on air for the very first time in star trek's history when during the height of tng's ratings a team round era Stephen Bear and the late Michael Piller launches Deep Space Nine or DS9. Star Trek becomes literally settled when it be moves into a space station and unfortunately this is the part reflected in the often too slowly paced episodes of the first season but the potential of the Bajoran people uh, their faith, the wormhole, and the inevitable culture clashes between the various alien civilizations evolved in the series will pay in the following years. 
Um, even more than that, the characters around Benjamin Sisko, who was Avery Brooks, and his mixed bag of officers making them making make even less interesting stories and enjoyable experience. So even though this was kind of going side by side with TNG, it was not nearly as compelling. Okay. Um, it's essentially what it boils down to. Um, they did have reoccurring guest casts with, you know, often more important roles than the regular staff and just overall fans commit themselves to an order not to miss any of the various story arcs, but in general, it was kind of too static as a series, whereas the previous one, you're exploring space, different planets, different civilizations, different people. And in this, you're kind of right. stuck on a space platform <laughs> for like the right. entire season. <laughs> so it's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not as Which compelling. probably reduced the budget in terms of location scouting and everything. But true. still, it's true. <laughs> it's very true um because you're not you're also not having to be as inventive because instead of coming up with an entire planet every couple of episodes you're like still on the space station and you may have to come up with maybe one or two different races or cultures and maybe. subplots and stuff right yeah yeah Very well, less... and now that there's like a whole families and right. you know, a bunch of people on board it's just more about cast as opposed to location exactly and i get that but you know this is again where kind of the different arcs are converged on the fans you know just something else totally uh 1995 to 2001 voyager uh carries on where tng left off but the sequel takes place in an uncharted region of space on starfleet ships stranded in the delta quadrant 70,000 light years away from earth that attempts to find a way home. So that's the whole plot of the story. Um, this is just as DS9 proves that Star Trek can work without a starship. Because again, they're based on a space station. Um, Voyager can do without the familiar setting of the Alpha Quadrant. So it's completely new, uncharted, new exploration. One aspect of the show's premise is that the crew, which consists of Starfleet and former Marquis rebels, is forced to unite under the leadership of Captain Catherine Janeway, Kate Mulgrew, the actress, the first woman to command a, a Trek starship in a permanent role. So one that wasn't just like, yeah, nice, <laughs> you like cast it and then left to dry away. <laughs> yeah. The ship also suffers from a permanent shortage of energy and both problems fade away very quickly by the second season. The conflict against second-rate villain, villains like the Vedian, Vedians and the Kazan is given more exposure, but the show really thrives on its own character-focused thrillers um, in the struggle with Dreadnought against a machine she created herself, as well as the discussion of ethical dilemmas like V.O.Y. Uh, Truvix, even in especially if the outcomes remain controversial. All of those different political religious pieces that are also continuitous with the times and even gene's personal preferences because gene was very much like i don't really subscribe to anything specific i just want peace and fun um and that theme even after he passed away is kind of continuing on through the series which is great nice 1994 to 2002 are the tng movies the first movie with the tng crew star trek generations in 1994 is the only is only a moderate success in 1996 however star trek first contact hits first the internet with new speculation and bits of information nearly every day and later the theaters so kind of a backwards release almost um 
It is not only the first movie with Enterprise E, but also a Trek film of a new kind, made as a literally dark action thriller and not so much as what detractors like to call a space opera, such as the previous feature Star Trek Generations. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, First Contact becomes a fan favorite, an achievement that the following Star Trek Insurrection 1998 and Star Trek Nemesis 2002 will not repeat, unfortunately, because <laughs> they were far less re- well-received. Mm. on the downside the internet acts as an amplifier for all sorts of conflicts so now you've got like the people who have preferences on the eras with one platform to fight each other on (laughs) right so like the rise of fandoms on reddit and (laughs) tumblr etc exactly so super fun (laughs) sort of i guess i don't know (laughs) you got Voyager fans uh, at odds with the Niners, which is DS9 for those that need the acronym again. Uh, And then there's also Star Trek versus Star Wars, of course, which we know the feud started because funding was sent more on the Star Wars fan at the time instead of Star Trek. Um, And uh, even if these are only small minorities, at some point, every fan inevitably runs out, runs into, you know, the outgrow, the growth of star trek is really about and it's just like well let's just have fun and talk about star trek but there are definitely hardcore fans who have their set opinions sure yeah just like with every fandom yeah i can i mean the star wars fans have you met them i uh, mean lord yeah it's intense it's and crazy it's, it's crazy down pants. to the color of your saber really <laughs> oh my gosh it's I true <laughs> it's like um it's that tiktok audio where it's like i want to go to war i want a lightsaber yes it's exactly like that. it's exactly that uh, 2001 to 2005 is the Enterprise, and since its initial announcement, Enterprise, the Star Trek prequel series, is confronted with reproaches from fans of not adhering to established continuity. So this is where the fans are saying that the series is starting to take a turn away from what they know to be the true Trek era of gospel. T- right, exactly. When the first pictures of Akira Prize NX-01 are published, observably no effort has been made to create a truly original of the 22nd century. For many fans, this, among other gripes, is a reason to disapprove of the show altogether before it even went on air, which is hugely bad for the show. (laughs) Incredibly bad. Um, Certainly some of the apprehension turns out to be premature uh, when the pilot episode ENT Broken Bow presents itself as a great drama despite some flaws, while Enterprise is still struggling in the following to develop a certain distinctive feel to 22nd century with respect to the 24th century Trek, it matures to a wonderful season in its own right. And that's pretty, that's a pretty good comeback. (laughs) Yes. 2005 to 2009, Trekless Time. Um, This is a lull unfortunately (laughs) so after enterprise has come to an end in may 2005 it is also the first time in 18 years without new trek episodes um in a last attempt to avert the trekless time a fan campaign is again launched to keep the air on show um it's seven save enterprise i almost butchered that because i didn't realize there were two words save enterprise.com raised funds for the show even receiving a commitment per reportedly from aerospace industrials to wow don- i know <laughs> to donate as much as three million dollars for enterprise to continue 
Unfortunately, this was all in vain because Paramount said, absolutely not. We are not interested in doing We're that. We're not falling for that again, you guys. <laughs> <We're not. laughs> um, and in April 2006, Paramount announces that J.J. Abrams, co-creator of Lost, will produce a yet untitled 11th Star Trek feature film. So they're like, we're not doing the show. Enterprise yes. is not continuing, but we will give you a movie. That's fine. <laughs> Take yeah, this. and J.J. Abrams goes on to do Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Marvel movies, like the whole nine. Exactly. Um, this film is initially said to be a prequel with new actors playing the TOS crew, but Leonard Nimoy, as opposed to William Shatner, appears in his old role. And Abrams makes it clear that his movie is not primarily aimed at longtime fans, and it's just essentially a pacification, unfortunately. <laughs> Which rough. Uh, yeah, that really sucks. The whole Star Trek, <laughs> the whole, the whole Star Trek fandom, when they realize that they're just being pacified. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sag. Um, so that brings us to the Abrams movies, and these are between 2009 and 2017, so we're actually getting closer. We're now in the 2000s, and this is where things speed up, and there's not as much to really talk about because we're entering the modern, current era for Star Trek. Yes. Star Trek as the new movie is simply titled uh, Star Trek. <laughs> It is completed in summer 2008, but the release date was postponed from Christmas 2008 to May 2009. Um, And this is in November 2008 because it became clear that Star Trek is set in a persistent parallel timeline, effectively rebooting the whole franchise. The second film of the series, Star Trek Into Darkness in 2013, is just as exciting, both of which I actually really enjoyed watching. So if you haven't seen either of them, I do think it's really good, even if you're not a diehard Trek fan. Um, The production and release of the next movie, Star Trek Beyond, is overshadowed by the deaths of actors Leonard Nimoy in 2015 and Anton um, Yelchin in 2016, which is just kind of sad. And Beyond is praised for critics by bringing back some of the old spirit, but rather in the character interactions than in the stories. So, yeah. I'm so sorry. If you scroll down to our Word document, Jinx has made some of his edits. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bro, pop off. <laughs> um, he's so and he's currently on his back on my keyboard right now. So I'm just. It's fine. I, I can't do anything. I can scroll down. It's chill. I'll figure it okay. out. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Don't apologize. Oh, he just wanted to be part of the chat, and that's fine. <laughs> As per usual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 2017 to 2024 is called Discovery. In November 2015, CBS announces the launch of a then still unnamed Star Trek TV series. Many fans are disappointed that the new show Discovery will not air on the network but on the newly created CBS All Access Pay channel in the USA and on Netflix in the most of the rest of the world. So USA got CBS, the rest of the world got Netflix. Everybody was upset, (laughs) of course. Everybody was upset. They were. The production history of Discovery is also bumpy. The premiere date was moved multiple times and turns out that the series creator, Brian Fuller, left the production after disagreements with the studio, which wasn't good. Uh, no the series in general is also controversial already before it even goes on air september 2017 and is subsequently earning an additional bad reputation because of its ill-tempered characters 
overall bringing negativity negativity and illogical storylines so not Hmm. great we're now even closer to current times in 2020 to 2023 picard first airs on january 30th 2020 on cbs all access to the chagrin of many international fans the international distribution of the series is on amazon prime and not on netflix like discovery so they did a full 180 now you can't even get it on the original platform it was offered on interesting many fans dislike the darkness of the sets and the total lack of progress in the first couple of episodes but the most substantial point is that the narrative shift in the last two episodes to a more or less collapsing arc of suspense that's been built which is just also sad (laughs) it's not going good uh 2020 uh lower decks is the first official animated star trek series since 1974 and the first star trek based comedy show its season one goes on air august 6 2020 in the usa and in canada fans in other countries are initially locked out because no international distributor is found uh however it did initially originally uh end up on its way to amazon prime for those that were international and lower deck presents itself as a comedy grounded on star trek rather than a parody of the franchise and creator mike uh mcmahan which i can't say very well i yes blair's got mcmahon um even states that the series is canon though if you asked many fans i'm not 100 percent sure that they would agree or not 2021 prodigy uh prodigy is a second animated series that launched october 28 2021 on paramount plus which was formerly cbs all access so it's still technically the same they just transitioned network names oh nice i didn't know that right (laughs) uh it is the first trek series created with 3d computer animation animation what was the other one um there was another thing that I said. Astronom- Astron- uh, yeah, yeah, astron- yeah. Astron- astronomers? No, Yeah, <laughs> So good at the space words. Uh, Prodigy is aimed at a younger audience, however, and in June 2023, Paramount Plus announced, so like this year, that Prodigy is not only canceled, but the series will be removed from the service on short notice. <laughs> Yikes. Um, I know the already produced second season is essentially going to be sold and the whole fan base is upset that it was um, completely, you know, destroyed and dismembered. It's sad. Mm. In the 2022 Strange New Worlds and season two of Discovery, Captain Pike and Spock quickly become more popular characters than the regular crew of the USS Discovery. The studio recognizes the potential and announces a spinoff series titled Strange New Worlds or SNW, the fifth Star Trek series since 2017. Uh, it premiered May 5, 2022 on Paramount Plus, and the series is well-received in the fan community and clearly much better than Discovery, although it inherits the burden of the visual reboot and the overblown technology and history established in DIS. One reason for the popularity of the show is that the producers keep their promise and bring back the classic episodic format. And Strange New Worlds, unlike Discovery or Picard, is not plagued by dragged out storylines and by episodes that feel like nothing is going on. So filler episodes, as we like to call them. Hmm. You never want too many of those. Uh, the series no. <laughs> The series comes with a fresh story every week while not neglecting the character development as well. And that kind of brings us to the end of what I have for today. So, you know, um, I'd be interested to know who 
is you know star trek versus star wars but also do you subscribe to all the areas of star trek that were uh you know what are we feeling what's the current modern vibe in 2023 about this you know because it's still happening yeah true Um, yeah it's it's still uh, a popular series there's still series out there that are rebooted and whatever you want to well i mean and we are in the era of reboots right so like we are yep it's a vibe but i don't know it just depends i feel like i feel like people are getting sick of the reboots though yeah but i don't know I think you just have to do them well. It's almost like when movies were coming out with sequels, even with Disney and stuff, they were like, oh, the yeah. original is always better than the sequel. But I think, That's true. you know, I, I I think they try really hard to keep the stories alive and like not let the franchise die. And I think even if it's not done well, the fact that they're doing their best to keep it says something. Um yeah, you know, they're trying. I, I also think so. We recently saw the new Haunted Mansion movie. Oh, okay. With uh, Owen Wilson and Tiffany Haddish. Um, and it was, and you, have you seen the Eddie Murphy one? I love that one. Yes. It's very good. This one, I think, is a little bit more true to the ride. Ah. And um, it was really good. It's good. funny, it's a little spooky, but like still fun and good and I thought it was almost better than the Eddie Murphy one because in the Eddie Murphy one he kind of like carries the whole movie you know he does he really does um and it's not bad but it's just it wasn't different this one I think is better yeah well and I think there's something to be said for that I will also say there is something about seeing something for the first time that you truly enjoy that provides nostalgia that you might not get back you know and mm-hmm. so you just continue. Mm-hmm. To, like, I know one movie for me that I continuously watch because of nostalgia is Ever After. And that's just like my oh, childhood. Yeah. It's just my childhood. It's a good one. And so I, if I could go back and rewatch it for the first time and get that feeling again, I 100% would. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes that's what happens to fans with TV series is each season, it's like you'll never have the nostalgia of that first episode one season one experience again. Exactly. And so that's sometimes hard to transition away from. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, But we want to know truly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We absolutely want to know what you guys think good or bad. We're here for you. We have no, like Mm. uh, we have no stake in the Star Trek, universe we do not (laughs) we can we're open to all opinions honestly exactly um with that feel free to send us an email with any questions comments or concerns uh (laughs) or topic suggestion or topic suggestions jinx i can't read if you're in front of the screen (laughs) he wants to do the outro blair i you know what (laughs) he's been this whole second half he's just been over here like rubbing his head against the microphone and making his own outline and all these things mediocre content uh, (laughs) the next episode is going to be jinx writing the episode (laughs) all right probably better than what we do (laughs) anyway uh comments questions concerns uh at mediocre content podcast at gmail.com follow us on instagram or tiktok um at mediocre content.com 
Um, we visit us live every other Thursday on Twitch at 3 p.m. PST, 6 p.m. EST, or 11 p.m. BPST at Media for Content Podcast. Um, and don't forget to rate us five stars because we deserve it. And <laughs> okay, or at least our cats deserve it. Our you cats deserve it. Do it for the cats. The cats are the, the real cats. entertainment. And honestly, right. even on our lives, the cats are the true entertainment. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, five stars, and uh, we'll see you next week with some other topic. Sounds good. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.